Welcome back to the Policy One Podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Kale. And I'm Michael. And we're with a very special guest today. We're with uh, Councilman Slife. If you want to introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about what uh, you do. Thank you. Uh, learning that I'm special. So, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Very special. Uh, my name is Councilman Slife, Charlie. Uh, I am on Cleveland City Council, and I represent Ward 17, which is sort of the West Park, Cam's Corners area. If anyone's familiar with the west side of Cleveland, I say it's everything west of the RTA red line. That's about 90% <laughs> accurate, about as accurate as you can get with political lines. And, and yeah, I've been on council since 2019 and uh, happy to be here today to talk about, you know, everything and nothing. And it's, it, this is a good opportunity. We're always looking for ways to uh, reach new audiences. So this is pretty fun for me. Yeah. I guess to, um, I guess to start off with a lot of our listeners, um, you know, I think I feel like there's a really big disconnect between people and, I mean, let alone national government in D.C., but especially local government. Um, like, when I talk to friends, I always say there's an election every year. And they're like, what? There's an election this year? Sometimes there's multiple. Sometimes there's multiple. Right. Yeah, notably this. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. It's, it's always democracy keeps happening no it's you know it's one of the cool things about being an elected official at the local level is uh unlike uh, a u.s senator or a congress person or something uh there there is an opportunity to have that level of engagement so you know it, it, it's kind of a couple years into the job you know going to the grocery store and taking my kids to the park and stuff like that and and people just recognize me and strike up a conversation and, and a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be accessible in a way that I think that it would, might be difficult for a lot of other politicians uh, to do. But, you know, and, and, and I value that because I want people to vote, I want people to be engaged, and I want people to feel like that, you know, I'm, I'm not only representing them well, but also that I'm approachable and also a resident of the neighborhood and, you know, also raising a family and, and you know, also uh, worried about all the things that they're worried about, and, and there's it's, it's a way to kind of humanize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've actually had some uh, Ward 17 residents talk to me a little bit about what I might be asking you, and, like, they had some concerns and things they wanted to talk about. They're like, wow, really? You're having my councilman on? Like, Let's hear was, it. Like, yeah. So, we, I mean, we've got a few major things to bring up. There are a few major ballot issues. Um two state ones and then one that pertains to Cleveland that there's been a lot of drama about recently. Um, and then, and I, I think a lot of people just don't know enough about it. I think that's the main problem too, is that uh, if you ask the majority of people about issue 38, that's the Cleveland issue, it's a very like, oh, what is that? And then you explain it and it's still what is that because that's it's still confusing. It's dense. Yeah, very, like, like yeah, lot, yeah. You know, it's hard to do an elevator speech on such a... Right, uh, but people want the elevator speech. They want, like, a quick little blurb, and it's not possible, it's not so... Thing to not at all. Yeah. Part of the reason that there's an hour-long podcast. Um, and then also things like gunning and um, the rec center getting renovations and uh, some questions about basketball courts and uh, a lack thereof outdoors and why is that still a thing mm -hmm. and uh, i think i know that's something i've asked you about in the past as well yeah um, uh, well wh wh where do we want so to start there's a lot to start big and get small or start small and get so big let's start small and get big all right yeah. basketball courts all right yeah you know th there's basketball courts throughout the city and uh right now there's you know there's i i forget the exact number of i know there's like 108 playgrounds in the city of Cleveland, but I can't remember the exact number of parks. But like, not every park has a playground, not every park has a basketball court. Mm -hmm. uh, there uh, was, uh, kind of just years back, there was an a outdoor um, basketball court at one of the parks. Uh, right now, really, the, the kind of the epicenter of basketball in, in kind of the larger West Park area is really in Ward 16, which, you know, if, un mm -hmm. unless you're familiar with the neighborhood, you're probably not going to know exactly where the line is unless you know where the rapid is. Um, but I know Councilman Casey this past year, uh, there were, uh, you know, some, uh, some, some challenges with, with basketball previously, and he basically created like a basketball league. Uh, that 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 they they got a lot of people coming into the neighborhood specifically because there was like oh like in the same way that you would do t-ball there was instead of it just being kind of like drop in there was uh, teams and a schedule and everything and and it seemed to work really well and then uh, we do have basketball courts at Gunning Rec Center that recently got done redone uh, with some help from the Cleveland Cavaliers so if you've been into a Cleveland Rec Center a lot of them are unfortunately they're old uh, a lot of them are old bathhouses 
and uh, been working incrementally as we can to improve the facilities because uh, in a lot of ways, like if you, if you go to the, uh, like a YMCA or you go to a rec center in the suburbs, then you kind of walk into the Cleveland rec center, you're like, well, this could, this, this, this could use some love. So, so, so try, trying to make those repairs as we can. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, Adam Royko, friend of the show. <laughs> Shout um, out. He yeah. is, yeah, so he lives in, in West Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's familiar with you, of course. Um, and he was really happy about the gunning, actually getting some love from you. I know that you made some statements about it and brought it up. Um, yeah, so alongside the West, West Side Market conversations, you mentioned gunning. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and that's a great moment of, of uh, I, not, I don't want to say clarification, because I think one of the, the, if the listeners recall, there were some conversations earlier in the year about uh, investing in the West Side Market, which to be abundantly clear, definitely needs to happen. It's a city asset. But I think there is... Uh, there's there's so many city assets. Like a couple months ago, a woman came to public comment at city council and uh, was speaking about the Stella Walsh Rec Center, which is on Broadway. It's in I, I'm pretty sure one twelve, and talking about how when her kids swim in the pool, uh, paint chips fall into the pool on her kids. Oh, that's and safe. That's not great. Yeah. Uh, that's not what you're looking for. And and I, I think one of our challenges is you know we are formerly a city of nearly a million people. We still have like the assets of a city that of a million people, uh, but we do not have the budget of a city of a million people. So constantly trying to figure out how to prioritize all of this deferred maintenance, all of this need. And so to me, it's never, it's not, you know, any one neighborhood against any other neighborhood. It's not one asset against another asset. But but I do think there is a, a moment to kind of step back and recognize that, you know, the the, the Stella Walsh Rec Center is never going to have the same kind of like large regional support advocacy network as some of the the so, so some other places, and we need to figure out a way to fight for both. And that was really what I was getting at yeah. with the, the Gunning Rec Center comment. Like, the Gunning Rec Center pool has effectively been closed the entire time I've been on council for one reason or another. And there's 20 rec centers in Cleveland. Uh, there's five on the west side, and that's not really that's a legacy of a lot of the old rec centers being those bathhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that they're kind of clustered in east side neighborhoods that were more populated, you know, when, at that time. Um, and I, at that time, I mean like the late 1800s, uh, relative to the west side. Um, and, and me just trying to say, like, you know, there's a lot of Cleveland residents who don't have a pool to go to, and we need to figure out how to, how to fix the pool. And, and I want people to recognize that we, we're constantly trying to figure out how to do any number of, of things at once. And one of the tough parts of the job is having to figure out a way to prioritize so many priorities and knowing that it's really impossible to make everybody happy. But the good news is that uh, any day now we should be getting uh, jackhammers into the gunning pool to rip it up and a 2.5 complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. It'll be a great asset yeah. once it's done. And I, I look forward to not getting uh, calls anymore wondering why, <laughs> wondering why the pool's closed. Uh, for some reason, uh, the city was filling it up with water despite the fact that it was leaking and cold and you couldn't go in, so we got them to finally drain it so we're not having to pay the water bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then another thing I want to mention is, I mean, a lot of people may say, oh, just go to a Planet Fitness or just go to um, the Y, but that costs money, and the whole point of something, like for for individuals, the whole point of a rec center in your community is that it's like it's a public asset that you're yeah, able to use. It's a public asset, and all Cleveland rec centers are free. Right. And, and that's free for everyone, and not, even if you don't live in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, the, if you're on gunning rec center, you can see it from I-71 uh, as you're approaching the airport. It's actually just around the corner from uh, one of the, it's like the fourth, I want to say, largest CMHA, which is public housing property in, in the county. Uh, so there's there's a lot of you know low income, especially low income children who you know Planet Fitness. They probably couldn't even join if they wanted to. They're like, we can't, can't get to get to it yeah, too. Like That's part of the old, problem. Can't get to it. And and the rec center also provides a place for not just sports, but for it's it's a lot of kids. You know that if you know parents are working late, it's a place where they can go and they can do arts and crafts and they can. Uh, be in a safe environment, kind of a, a controlled environment, and it's we really view uh, the, the the new term that we're using, and the city is uh, neighborhood resource and recreation centers because we're trying to use the rec centers as a way, like, hey, if you're here, uh, you know, have you have you ever thought about you know like going into uh, like vocational school, or if you're an adult, like 
you know, do you need help getting your GED? And like, we have a lot of people that are coming and, and trying to figure out how we can uh, provide the services like, like, you know, the weight room, the gym, the pool, but then a lot of those more wraparound services that, that, mm -hmm. pe that people in, in uh, a lot of Cleveland neighborhoods uh, need, but maybe you wouldn't need to provide at the same level in like a, a suburban community. Right, yeah, like more of a true community center. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm originally from Menor, Ohio. Um, you know, and I remember going to like the public pools my entire, like every summer during my childhood with my neighbors. And I didn't, I didn't know that was such an issue in Cleveland where a lot of the population just isn't served by those, um, you know, those public assets. It's a challenge, and then even often when we do have the assets, uh, like our, our outdoor pools, we have more pools per capita than New York City, more outdoor pools, which again is kind of a legacy of us having had a larger population. So if anyone wants to be a Cleveland lifeguard in the summer, like call me because we got jobs. Because we, oh, yeah. we struggle to keep our pools open uh, you know, uh, on the schedule because we are having to uh, take so many lifeguards and spread them across so many pools. So there's, there's a lot of... There's, uh, you know, but, but uh, you know, my goal is, is, and for anyone unfamiliar with the West Park neighborhood, uh, there's, it's, it's, you know, just south of Lakewood from I, on I-90, and, and in many ways, like, people don't realize where Cleveland starts and Lakewood begins. Uh, it's, it's a neighborhood where uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, provide the same level of, of uh, city services and the same, uh, like, shops and retail and all the things that you can get in a lot of the inner ring suburbs. Uh, I want people to have that in Cleveland, so that's that's where I benchmark. And so, so yeah. to me, like if if uh, a pool in a suburb staying open through Labor Day, then the Cleveland pool should be staying open till Labor Day, and and that's something that we've really struggled to do, uh, you know, even this past season. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland shouldn't have to play second fiddle to its own suburbs. Right. And, and, yeah. and I don't, you know, for many, I don't want Cleveland to be seen as even just kind of like the. Uh, where, where, like, the farm team for the suburbs. Like, ah, like, you lived in Cleveland when you were young and it was cool, and then maybe you bought your first house, and, you know... The, slowly like, move further and, and further out to the exurbs. And, and then, and then uh, you end up living this lifestyle where you're just stuck in your car all the time. Stuck and, in Ridgeville. And, yeah. yeah. You're, uh, I'm not naming any communities, but... Sorry. Uh, you're, you know, <laughs> and, and, and what I love where I live is I can... Uh, be downtown in 10 minutes if I drive or if I ride my bike I can be on the rapid platform in six minutes and I can mm -hmm. I can I can still Options. access the city very easily but uh, there's also a little bit of a backyard for my kids to go play in uh, while I'm trying to like do laundry and, and do the dishes and stuff yeah. yeah I'm actually I'm really glad you brought up um, I like how you how you mentioned how you know your district is basically past the, ra the red line that's the line I ride the most mm -hmm. I go to Westside Market for groceries all the time um, and that kind of leads me to my next question about, and I know RTA is its own separate entity, but like, what has the city of Cleveland been trying to do? And if there's any future plans to expand both pedestrian access to the city and also supporting our public transit infrastructure. There's, if I'm sure they're on the planning commission's website, but there's some interesting, there's a guy named Matt Moss who works in the uh, planning department. And I'm, I'm sure you guys are, and probably a lot of the listeners have heard of kind of the 15-minute mm -hmm. uh, cities thing, which uh, uh, Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo misinterpreted. Um, that's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, but, but it's this idea that, you know, like you have all the day-to-day -day amenities within a 15-minute drive, bike, bus, walk. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, our transit network is, uh, you know, like the 22 bus goes down Lorraine really mirrors the streetcar my grandmother rode, you know, in the 1920s. Uh, and, and that's, we kind of built the city out along these radials. As it stands right now, the overwhelming majority of the city doesn't really even have the population density to support like 15 minute bus service. Yeah. Uh, so, so part of what we're trying to do is like infill development to recognize opportunities. If we want to have more robust public transportation, we need to be strategic about how we are building uh, to support public transit and, and in Ward 7 and a lot of, you know, TOD, right. Yeah, the transit oriented development. Yeah. We've seen a lot of it in, uh, you know, especially Ohio city where there's, you know, new buildings as, right as you walk out of the train station. But to me, there's a lot of opportunity for it in other neighborhoods as well. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever ridden the red line to the airport, uh, when you pull up on the West park rapid station, it is just the world's largest parking lot. Yeah. And I even took a picture of it on St. Patrick's Day, like this is going to be the busiest day of the year, and it's overwhelmingly empty. There's this thing in the back uh, that 
they use to train bus drivers, and I call it the bus dressage because it's kind of like buses just kind of driving in circles and uh, learning how to start and stop. And so there, there, it's a lot of underutilized space that could Trisket be, station could, similar. Yeah, Trisket yeah. could be housing right next to the train line, and 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 you know maybe you could if you work downtown, you could be downtown in 20 minutes easily and just you know but also be a, a three-minute walk from home so yeah. so there's a lot of opportunity in, in Cleveland for it I think the challenges right now are uh, land assembly uh, getting developers interested um, you know it and 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 you know all the all the things you'd expect but but it's something I, I certainly aspire to and I think it's something that more people are interested in yeah because yeah. that's always a conversation on this sh on this show yeah. is talking about you know Especially since I'm from the suburbs, Kale's from Columbus. I'm from Columbus. Um, you know, like one of which is kind of a giant suburb. Which is no, I was just gonna say. Well, I mean, yeah, they've and they've literally annexed suburbs, turning them into Columbus. So it's very literally a giant suburb or a conglomerate of here come, giant here suburbs. Comes the hate mail, so. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> come on, like it's Cleveland, and and then we go from there. But, um, That's number one. Well, and I would make I would make a bold statement, and I'm not a bold statement maker. Well, maybe I'm. Um, <laughs> I, I ride I ride RTA a lot. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, my bold statement would be I, I I would venture to guess that I ride public transit probably more than any other elected official. Uh, I I find it valuable time to work on my emails. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it kind of you, you see the world differently. You're kind of able to focus on what's our, what's what's what you're passing instead of what's in front of you, and and think about how the city works for people who don't have the option of driving a car and yeah. you know and, and I could say I have the ability to ride transit but many days for me it's not an option you know I have to mm -hmm. uh, you know I have meetings and I got to go pick my kids up and take them to a doctor's appointment like it doesn't work on days like that mm -hmm. but uh, there, there, there's a lot of days where I, I, I ride it and I think it's, it's something that Cleveland has that uh, most cities our size don't uh, yeah. so it's 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 a it's something to build off of yeah we're the we are either the smallest large city or the largest small city but I think because of our transit and our former massive population and all those amenities we have, I like to consider ourselves the smallest large city, and really. And I think when, when we, the new rail cars come in a couple of years, I'm, I'm optimistic yeah. that people will be eager to kind of try it out. And to anyone, like, I, I know so many people who will ride the rapid, but I won't take the bus, and I think it's because... It's really similar once you're actually on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that different. How do I do it? How do you pay? How do you wait? But on, the, bus is, the bus is awesome. The bus yeah, is, it's uh, convenient. Uh, you know, it's... My wife and I, a couple of weeks ago, like, took the bus to a wedding because why are we going to take an Uber when we could, there's a bus going there? Yeah, I've, I've had plenty of people ask me pretty recently, since I live downtown, I take the health line a good amount and I take the red line a ton um, to get to the west side. And they'll say, oh, isn't it really chaotic on the bus and public transit and stuff like that? Isn't it really crazy and loud and obnoxious? And then I ask them, you've driven on I-90 and I-480, right? Like, is yeah. that not chaotic for you? It's like Cleveland driving is insane. The highways are insane. Like it's not nearly as crazy when you throw some headphones in and start reading a book or something like right. that. You don't have know. to worry about like someone realizing they're missing their exit and try to merge across five lanes and a hundred. Yeah, like I think a couple of days ago, I uh, outside my own apartment window witnessed a car crash happen. I heard the screeching and then I looked out the window and I saw the cars like sliding and like. Broad daylight, so you can avoid that when you're on rail, so and on a bus, you typically avoid that too. You don't hear too many RTA crashes. No, it's it's, 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 it's good times. I yeah, you know, I safe. think it's something it's something to rediscover, and and I I do think that a lot of people, uh, you know, I you know I'm I'm 36, so I'm I think I'm old in this context, but you know, a lot of people like my age and younger aren't like my when I was uh I mean like a baby. We lived in North Olmsted, a one-car family. My dad took the bus downtown for work. Like, that was very typical, and I think that uh, we kind of fell away from that, and there's just a lot of people who don't think to take transit uh, when it's, it's a, like you're going there. You're going down the street, and so is the bus. You know, it's, it's you know, hop on. Uh, so, so if, yeah, and to anyone listening, if you haven't taken, taken RTA in a while, check it out. Yeah. yeah, and never drive down Euclid Ave. Just take the health line down Euclid Ave. Yeah. Why, why drive? It will always take you less time. They've got their own lane. <laughs> so, I guess staying on the topic of transit, I actually got the opportunity to um, visit the abandoned subway underneath the Veterans Memorial Bridge. Oh, it's pretty cool, huh? When they, and it was really incredible because, um, one, I just have a fascination with, with older, you know, like that kind of stuff, but also seeing it and realizing, you know, there's a lot of 
like you said, like remnants of when the city used to have nearly a population of a million people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what can we do with this now? Because that sat abandoned underneath the bridge for over long time. The 50s are when the streets cars. Yeah. It should be like one of those uh, Florence bridges that have all of the crazy stuff inside of them, like a million yeah, shops cool and things. Ideas of you could have, like, the, if, you want, if you're riding your bike across the river, you'd go underneath, and could you do food trucks down there? And yeah. kind of almost like the New York has the high line. Could this be the low line? Uh, it's really great ideas. I think with anything, like, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland has a surplus of ideas. I don't think we can... Uh, Even just pedestrian it, walking and biking would be yeah, it's, something simple. It's, it's, yeah. You know, there's there's that, there's lakefront plans, there's riverfront plans, and, uh, you know, I, I think the kind of elephant in the room is how do you, how, again, do you prioritize because yeah. as it stands right now, these are all catalytic projects in their own right. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you figure out... Can, can, it's difficult to imagine, at least in my opinion being able to simultaneously accomplish all these things just just with because of resources not because of will uh but you know i but i you know as you know i i, I like you guys you know uh live here you know this, so maybe if you're older and you recognize you remember cleveland from an era and and you know to me i i feel like uh, we don't carry that baggage of, yeah. of like the real the 70s and the 80s in, in cleveland and and uh, when a lot of that out migration and disinvestment was happening so I, i'm optimistic and and i i love you know, working downtown and, and seeing people come and always seeing people recognize that like cleveland's nicer than they expected it to be right yeah yeah all right. Do we want to move to the uh, the elephant in the room? All right. Issue thirty eight. Issue thirty eight. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> we've <laughs> all well, we have. But the problem is, I will tell you, I not everybody else has. Residents, and I would say most people have not heard about right. it. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, it's and almost, almost surprising because it is it is such a I think such a big issue that people are like how am I like thank you for knocking on my door I, I wouldn't have known about this had had you not and and you know perhaps it's because uh, Mike you had alluded to issues one and two earlier there's also uh, issue five which is a, a tri C levy so that's countywide mm -hmm. so like if you start big and kind of get small uh, there, there's a lot of issues taking up oxygen. Uh, so is, is, it, it, it's understandable, like, if you're a, a suburban school levy, are you getting the same amount of attention as Issues 1 and 2? Probably not. Uh, but, yeah, Issue 38 is a, uh, ch a proposed charter amendment. The charter is basically like the constitution of the city, mm -hmm. and it would institute a, a version of a program called participatory budgeting. Uh, it's also known as the People's Budget. And uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of let you ask questions instead of just rambling on. But uh, I guess I will, I will tell people I am not in favor of this charter amendment. Uh, there's a lot of uh, merit, and I think uh, to participatory budgeting, I think it's an interesting idea, and it's something uh, that would be cool to aspire towards. But I do think it's important to kind of separate participatory budgeting as a kind of macro issue and issue 38 as proposed and having to kind of suss out the differences, right? Mm -hmm. I think, because um, when I heard about it initially, um, I'm a member of Workers United uh, Local 10, mm -hmm. so we're underneath North Shore Federation of Labor, and as you know, you know, the local unions in the city came out against us because there aren't, you know, guarantees in this specific, this specific charter amendment about where the funding is coming from and the vagueness it from in my opinion. Yeah. Well, so, so let's back up and, and if it, to the listeners who are hearing this for the first time, uh, participatory budgeting is a, um, a kind of a, a direct democracy effort that uh, is done in uh, different cities around the country and, and especially in Latin America. And, and it's essentially, you know, you have a pot of money that's uh, available and people get to vote directly instead of voting, like instead of representative democracy where, you know, a council person or whomever uh, would uh, be voting yes or no. It's a way for people to vote uh, directly as them uh, on, on how to spend public money so you know like the easy like do you fix the park or do you fix the road right like that that kind of thing and um in comparison uh so like philadelphia does this and philadelphia has one and a half million residents and they have a million dollar pot of money for it and i think the big difference between kind of pb as a concept and what's being proposed in this charter amendment in cleveland 
is uh, there's a number of things, but the main one is is the size of the of the of the funds. It would be year over year pegged at two percent of the budget, which is about fourteen million dollars. Mm -hmm. So every year in a city under four hundred thousand. So every year it would require fourteen million dollars to be budgeted aside for such a program. And and the main crux of, of my apprehension to it is that by Ohio Revised Code we're required to have a balanced budget. So yeah. the only way to have a fourteen million dollar program is to extract fourteen million dollars from something. And and I you know, it's important to point out that every year by April first the city of Cleveland must pass a budget. So if in order to prepare for this, we must have the pot of money determined. So it's not like you can just say, well, we, we just want to talk about the money that's already budgeted to all the different departments. Like it, the way it's written, you have to pull it aside. And, and uh, so if you were, and then I'll stop, but it's 2% of the budget. If you were to do like 2% cuts to different departmental budgets, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it gets it gets impactful pretty quickly. And and it's important to remember that most of city spending is in personnel, so that's why North Shore, you know, and of various unions have come out against this because if you have to cut two percent of cut contracts the EMS budget, then you are losing personnel. And when you lose personnel in EMS, there's an inability to staff ambulances. So like you you could you basically pull an ambulance off the street. So. To me, it's it's. I guess it's not surprising that in that case, uh, Care, which is is the uh, uh, union that represents our, our paramedics, uh, sees this as a concern because it, they they are, I think are worried that this would affect their ability to provide life saving care to people. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've had pretty similar concerns. I mean, I think one thing I mentioned as well, at one point to uh, to all of you guys is the point about participatory democracy and participatory um, or like a de direct democracy systems is it's made available to everybody but there's also an access element that gets overlooked is like who can access um, the voting booths and who can get there on time and who has the time to learn about where to put this money who's actually going to go out there and impact this policy um, and it's not a lot of the time um the poorest and those who need the most help and those who are younger and want to see more change it's typically people who are already relatively well served by the community as it stands um retired a lot of the time wealthier older um individuals who can go out on a day off and attend meetings and learn about the issues and, and make basically start making decisions for the community in a way that a lot of the people who want this participatory budget uh, amendment to pass are complaining about happening right now, except in this case, it would be unelected. Um, and uh, it's definitely a concern that isn't necessarily directly backed up by evidence. But I mean, at least on the side of uh, school board meetings and city um, city hall meetings and like town hall meetings, when, when people go and give concerns, a lot of the time it ends up being people who have the time and the money and the resources to go and to learn about the issues. And I think before we start considering putting a bunch of money aside and then having the community divvy it up, I think we have to re find ways to actually get the community engaged because Cleveland is not known for having a super engaged voter base and super, you know, strong civic engagement, um, especially in comparison to a lot of other cities that are, similarly sized so yeah there's it's uh, all, all, all things i agree with and and you know i will say the, 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 so so cleveland does have a voter turnout challenge and and and, mm -hmm. and we do have a challenge with engagement and and to the degree that this this is being proposed as a way to get people more involved i'm 100 on board with all people being more people being involved you know i i, I too am trying to get uh, people to, uh, you know, in uh, lower turnout areas to vote and to attend community meetings and, and do all of these things because, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I do represent everybody and I believe it's important to gain various perspectives. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I, there, there is a worry that if you are a, uh, like for my case, I'm a parent, you know, it's, I, it's difficult for me to attend 
you know, meetings on Tuesday nights. My wife works later. So, like, I, that's... It, I worry that it, 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 it could create a system, uh, to Mike's point, where uh, people who have the interest, the ability, the time, uh, the financial wherewithal to get places, that it, it's, it's a system that works well for them, but it still would struggle to get kind of that intended audience of people who aren't as engaged and perhaps aren't engaged because they feel like government doesn't work for them or doesn't care about them. And, 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 and God forbid we end up in a situation where people feel further dejected uh, because they feel that this process that was meant to include them uh, had the uh, unintended consequence of, 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 of not hearing their voice to their, to their desire, right? Yeah, and uh, I think this might be a, a decent way to segue into some state-level stuff because one of our biggest concerns about this as well is the state government is possibly interested in taking up the idea of participatory budgeting in the sense that they want to make it illegal mm -hmm. uh, statewide, which would negate this entire conversation, yeah, essentially. News is coming out that that may no longer be the case. Oh, really? That the, House, the House, it sounds like the Speaker of the Ohio House is okay. interested in taking that up. So yeah, Senate Bill 150... It was a consideration. I, this is I one of those know. things where I'm gonna, I Google it so I don't retain it. I'm stuck um, on 88 yeah. and 83 right yeah, now, I, the, uh, yeah, the school I, stuff. I, yeah. When I write the date, I'm not paying attention. I write yeah. 2012. So it's, um, there, was, there was a movement at, at, the, at the state house to essentially make any kind of participatory budgeting process illegal in the state of Ohio, uh, which, uh, although I do not support issue 38, I, I do believe in home rule. And I think that that is, uh, it would, would have been an overstep of state government, especially because, as I said at the top, I think that there's a lot of merit to participatory budgeting as an idea. And, and, yeah. and I would, if you do it well. uh, I would, I, I would happily, uh, you know, I've, I offered feedback or along about the initial proposal in earlier this year that, uh, I don't think was maybe taken into consideration. Like there's some, there's something to be had here and I'd certainly hate for, some guy from Lake County to ruin it for 11 million people because of, you know, like one, one thing in Cleveland, right? Uh, and, and, but, but like, it's what we expect out of uh, Columbus. Uh, they, uh, yeah. you know, they, 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 they don't seem to be a friend of the urban areas. It's... No, <laughs> they, uh, they like dissolving our Department of Education, yeah, that's doing the, things like that, which the... I'm still not sure if we have one of anymore. I think the answer is no. That's my, like, conservative guess is no. Yeah. But maybe? It does depend on who you ask. It depends on who you ask. Yeah, if you ask a former uh, Department of Education employee, the answer is probably no. <laughs> but if you ask one of the new employees of the new shiny Department of Workforce and Education, or whatever it's called, yes, because they're now employed. Um, Pick your own adventure. Yeah. yeah. It's, I you really get anything you want out of it. don't know. I mean, I just thought it was poetic that... For the first time in about 50 years, Democrats would control the majority of the Department of Education. And within a year of that election happening, a little bit less than a year because it's October, um, the Department of Education was dissolved. <laughs> so, yeah. It's almost uh, like it's intentional. Yeah, it, it feels... A weird coincidence. Like, really, really intentional. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, we had this 30 under 30... Uh, event, you know, it was sponsored by Jobs Ohio, and we're trying to get people to consider Ohio, come here. We're a, a, a brain drain state, you know, and, yeah. and but then it, it, we also have all of these policies, like you know what you mentioned, and and uh, it, it's and so many more that seem to be kind of making a, very against an, an effort to twenty like something and thirty year olds. Yeah, and you go to Chicago, and there's this weird Ohio billboard that's like you wouldn't be in traffic in Ohio, and it's like, well, that's because like half of like, my graduating class moved to Chicago. Like, that's like, yeah, that's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's and also like you would be right? also you would be in traffic. Yeah. Oh, Beyond that, yeah. Yeah, 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 you would be in traffic, except it might not be quite as bad as Chicago, but. It might be more worthwhile there. Um, but yeah, that segue uh, meant to go into issues one and two. Um, I know the city council and you and I were doing some some engagement outreach work. I 
printed some like flyers off for uh, issue the original, the original issue original one, issue getting one. getting people to go out and vote. It's not confusing at all. Yeah, the original not issue one. A weird coincidence. Yeah, vote no, vote yes, and vote no have swapped this time for anybody interested. Uh, if you don't know already, um, you totally should not reuse your yard sign. But you could maybe take your neighbors from last election. Yeah. However uh, you so, time, <laughs> however you did it last time, uh, do it the other way around, and you'll be good to go. Um, yeah, really confusing. Um, and, 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 and to that end, you know, it's, it's it's again trying to, you know, one of the one of the tough things is. So I, I I've been knocking on doors, and I know we're not talking about issue thirty eight, but I have been. And people, you know, uh, like as like you hear the knock and you jump behind your couch and like you kind of like yeah, yeah. Up, you know, I recognize that guy. So people, I think, are more inclined to come to the door because I'm uh, uh, there's a magnet on their fridge with my face on it. Uh, but yeah. when you know, but prior to being on council, you know, I was knocking on doors uh, as a kind of basically a volunteer for the Democratic Party, trying to engage with people, and it's tough. It's really tough because you know it's it's that's that's not where we're at right now in society. Like we we we're like it's. You know, do you want to talk about politics? Like, ah, get away. Um, so a lot of efforts to get out to voters and, and get them the information. But, uh, you know, if if someone knocks on your door, like, just say, you can say hi. It's okay. And even you can say politely, no, thank you. And But 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 I think it's important that this is this is a, a what what better way than like a one to one conversation with someone who lives in your neighborhood about an issue that you might not know about. Um, and or not know the intricacies of, and, and it's a way to be educated. But uh, but but in any case, uh, people are out, you know, knocking on doors about issue one and two, and and I'm I we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in, in November. Uh, you know the, the the I know I can only speak for the Democratic Party because I'm a Democrat, but you know there's whether it's at the neighborhood level or the county or the state. Uh, but but it does you know the the, the good thing that came out of August. Is I, I think it that this mantra or that this re, oft-repeated statement that Ohio is irredeemably red I think gets frustrating uh, because to the degree that it's true it almost feels like it was made true because the National Democratic Party just decided that it no longer needed Ohio yeah uh, so like this was like oh, oh really is it, is it it started to get some sunbelt states and typical Congresswoman Captor who used to represent the west side of Cleveland. Uh, you know, as, as pointed out, you know, like uh, until a couple of weeks, like last week, you know, the Speaker of the House is from California, the former Speaker of the House is from California, you know, like uh, we have like basically the coasts, you know, the the, the, the vice president's the vice from California. Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, wants to run, I think. So. New York, and it's like, yeah. like this, this region of the country that really used to be the industrial Midwest that was like the bastion of this political party is like in many ways not as strategic to like the overall mission like you just don't need it anymore so like why would you sink money into you know ohio when you are on the verge of flipping texas you know and 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 here at the local level where i remember in the 2020 election uh they they uh, like the democratic party sent cleveland like four or five like local organizers and none of them were from ohio and yeah. all of them were based in columbus and and there's a group of us that are like meeting in backyards during covid and wearing masks and trying to do all this stuff and we're saying will you come up to cleveland and and work with us oh well we can only be remote and it's it's like well thanks for putting in the effort but, well in the last issue one vote in august cuyahoga county and cleveland's turnout was just about as good as franklin and columbus wasn't it yeah was it right that, around there that was that it was, was a shock really really shocking uh i'm sure especially for the it's people impressive. who orchestrated the whole thing uh but but like uh, I, yeah. said, I hope that it i hope that it says to some outside voices that you know ohio is not a lost cause and look like if you if you you know if if people feel like they're being overlooked and ignored uh of of course they're gonna like they're, they're gonna sit out or they might go the other way and so like we see that locally we see that Mm -hmm. nationally like that that that's the phenomenon so uh but yeah issues issues one and two uh seem far more issue one signs than issue two signs yes uh, issue two signs stand out they're green uh light green I minty lakewood. yes lakewood must have got the first batch L it makes sense that they're in lakewood sure. <laughs> but yeah. of all the places i've seen more signs in general in lakewood than i've seen anywhere else which also makes sense um, until you go like far enough south, and then they start to switch from yes to no. I think the uh, thing, like, we're, I mean, issue one is important as well. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. um, but issue two is very interesting because 
it seems to be a very cross the aisle kind of thing. Um, I I have a lot of friends that are you know more conservative and they're voting yes on two simply because of the fact. I mean, it is a personal freedom issue for them, um, but also I know in I, I think in issue two's amendment language it does recognize the historical like application of drug laws unfairly against minority groups mm -hmm. or at least it, it it highlights that and I think that is an important part of it and um, you know seeing that it's start it's getting all Ohioans out to you know try to support uh, personal freedom is very interesting in comparison to how it was in August yeah um, and it, it's interesting to me as well because it failed pretty the the last attempt at uh, cannabis legalization in Ohio, which is what issue one is about, in case anybody isn't sure. And issue one is um, um, to protect choice and abortion. Um, but issue two, there was a, a very similar attempt that happened in 2018, I believe, and it failed pretty spectacularly in terms of the uh, the outcome with the vote. It was a 45-55-ish split. Um, it was expected to do a lot better than that, and it didn't. Um, and a lot of people are expecting it to go completely the other way around this time, and it's just interesting that it's only yeah, been. We'll see what happens, but a small, a small amount of time. Certainly, something to be said about like just kind of society evolving in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's I been a few years. Most people like are are not as hung up on on marijuana as they were historically, and I even think back to 2004 when uh, you know Ohio. Uh, I can't remember what the, exactly the issue number was, but it was, uh, you know, saying that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that passed. Yeah, uh, but a lot of states. If, if that came up today, do I think it would? Absolutely not. Like it's just, it's no, it's kind of becomes a non-issue over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it would be really interesting to me to see, theoretically, issue one pass, issue two pass. Um, let's just say for the sake of argument, um, Sherrod Brown wins by one because unfortunately that might be the cap on what, what he'd be able to win by and it still is looked at as a red state because the state government is overwhelmingly red um most of the municipalities are red the the, the presidential level will most likely be republican it'll be red um i have a friend i don't know before. what do these crossover voters look like when you're voting for shared brown yes on one and two and Donald Trump. Yeah, like, I, I want to know how that works. Interested in it's the interesting. Vote of, um, you know, issue one, August, people voting no, and issue one, November, people voting no. Because I do think a lot of people there were there was I think a population of people yeah, who maybe. felt that it was an overstep yeah. of of government. You know, as much as that. I think it'll be tighter. Well, uh, it'll know, it will be. Who works for a former when I so when I graduated from college I moved to D.C. for a couple of years. Guy I worked with now works for the American Federation of Teachers, and he'll roll into town every once in a while. Uh, you know, as on, on different campaign stuff, and you know, I remember him asking me during the uh, Tim Ryan JD Vance campaign. He's like, "What are you thinking? Like you're in Ohio, and like I don't know if I, like, you know, it's it's where I live. You know, is is very blue." And not really a representation yeah. <laughs> out of the state of Ohio, you know, like because yeah, you know, not just uh, not just Cleveland, not just Cuyahoga County, you know, but but like it's um, I guess just Cuyahoga County. It, it's it's you know the neighborhood I represent is uh, certainly there's a lot of political diversity, but it is still very much leaning blue. And, um, and and I think you, you see that in the voting patterns, you see that in the signs and everything. So he came in, this friend, on uh, Halloween up through the election, and he's seeing all the Tim Ryan signs. He's like, this is looking good. And I was like, yeah, but, like, Ohio's bigger than you realize, it, you know? Yeah. It ended up looking better than a lot of people thought it would. I, that might be a yeah, candidate candidate quality issue as well is a major... Lakewood, you would have yeah. thought that this guy was running away with the 80%. <laughs> right. And I think, that. I mean, what's funny to me, too, is that... Um, Sherrod Brown loses any poll against a generic Republican, but he wins almost every poll against the actual three likely possible candidates, which are Dolan, LaRose, and um, Moreno, right. yeah. uh, CSU Board of Trustees sales, member, Bernie Moreno. excellent center. Yes. Him, yeah. Lover of immigrants. Yeah. Lover of immigrants, Bernie Moreno. I think Is that new? 
Oh, it's been here for a while. Yeah, it's uh, at least five or six when years. When I went here, I just hung out down at 17th because I was in the Levin school. So, yeah. like, this is... Same. <laughs> that's where I'm at. The library. Yep, that's I where I'm at. there are a lot of eyes on Ohio this upcoming election, especially in the wake of uh, the issue, the original issue one in August being defeated so resoundingly. And I'm really hoping that in the future, if we can protect the right to reproductive freedom and expand personal freedom with legalizing marijuana in the state. I'm hoping that people uh, stop seeing Ohio as just another ruby red state and then actually start investing in the state again in terms of you know, political campaigns in Congress and in the Senate, especially with Sherrod up in 2020. Yeah, I think we need to push. I, I think those, lo- those, those uh, statewide, like um, the ballot issues, yeah. the, well, those and, kind of things. And, you know, it's... Good push. I, I guess biased opinion backed up by zero evidence on just all my... my uh, uh, That's what we like to do here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real if you say it, right? Yeah. Um, you'd never know that Ohio is the seventh most populous state based on like the amount of... It's more populous than a lot of countries. Oh, yeah. Based on the <laughs> like it's... it gets in like, the national media and kind of like the national political media. And, and I do get frustrated that there's an attempt to take like everything that happens locally and kind of merge it into this larger national narrative as if a state that is larger than most European countries in population can't have like its own internal, you know, political dynamics. And, and there was this article years ago in the Akron Beacon Journal, I want to say, about like the five Ohios, about how like really there's like, no, like the corners in the middle, like kind of almost function as uh, like separate political areas yeah and how like the, the amassing of it is what happens and and so so you know trying to trying to find the like the lowest common denominator to explain a state that i do think has more like in, in intrastate diversity than maybe you realize if you like live you know in in northern virginia or california or, or the new york area yeah. yeah and columbus is growing uh cleveland has the the bones to grow um even though it's technically not but parts of it are it's in a weird spot post-covid where i guess 2020 or 20 20 or 2000 to 2010 went down by a lot in population and then 2010 to 2020 it went down on the books but i'm curious how much it actually really ended up going down or if covid kind of screwed up a lot of those numbers because in that same amount of time downtown cleveland's population went up by ten thousand, yeah um and has gone up by another few thousand since uh between 2020 and 2023 so i have to imagine that the census number was an undercount yeah and i know like in in the ward 17 population uh declined slightly but the public housing i had mentioned earlier was being renovated at the time right so they were not counted it was mostly empty at the time so like it's where were you on april 1st and no not a lot of people weren't there on april 1st interesting you know so like a downtown population growing Ohio City growing. A lot of people are surprised to learn that Detroit Shoreways population actually not growing. Uh, there's more mm-hmm. units, but smaller household sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, the Ward 16 growing in population, and actually the most densely populated part of the city is um, like Lorraine Avenue around Denison. Uh, it's, hmm. it's, which is, I think, if you haven't been to that part of the city, I, I almost worry that it gets treated like the pass-through between the near west side and, and west park but there's it is it's a super cool neighborhood it's in, incredibly populated incredibly diverse uh it's like almost like a, a, a little microcosm of, of of all of cleveland in, in kind of one little area uh but it doesn't i don't think it gets like the notoriety that it deserves so uh check out if you're on i-90 you can see St. Ignatius of antioch the, the big church that they light up like around there is actually like a really cool dynamic cleveland neighborhood uh that i'm uh constantly trying to get people to uh, who represents that uh Uh, that is in ward 11 so that is uh danny kelly and then okay yeah eastern the eastern fringe becomes ward 14 which is jasmine santana santana yeah i was wondering with that being santana i I think i drove through there recently and i remember like there used to be a really cool brewery back Mm -hmm. next to raise mountain bike uh but apparently my wife and i didn't go there enough because it closed We can well, bring it back. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Bring it back. Let's end on a much lighter note. All right. Because I haven't spoken too much. <laughs> yes. I was just too, too enthralled. Today. I was listening. What is city council's role in saving the Browns season? Yeah. 
Oh, please, please guys. Gosh. Oh, my God, please. Uh, you know, city council is, okay, so, so it's, I think it's important to remember that there's three branches of government, so we're relying on the other two branches of government to, like, pull anything over the line, right? Uh, but, oh, man, my, it's so sad. My four-year-old is, like, crying because the Browns lost. I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be a rough life, buddy. It just uh, keeps happening. It's just, it's just gonna. Keep you have a good season, and you think everything's fine, and then that quarterback gets shipped over to a different state. Now, now let me say, I am optimistic that the curse of First Energy has been lifted by pulling that name off of the stadium and and city council. I like to think that our rabble rousing and we passed resolutions. We watched it happen as it happened. Was I was there. And let me just say, not that I manifested it, but I. <laughs> got this shirt screen printed at a place in Cam's Corners called Only in Cleve shout out and it looks like a it look like a brown shirt with the uh, orange letters and it said something like uh, like first energy bribed ohio government uh, like with a 1.6 billion dollar bribe and like something like just a, like a laid out thing and i wore it to the yeah. sustainability conference in public hall which is where everyone was when they announced that the name of the stadium was changing. Oh, right? so it was you. Everyone, it was me. So that's your role. Like, oh, yeah. It was okay. the first time I wore the shirt too. So I bought the shirt. The guys like, I'll like let people come and get their own version if they want. And now, now it just happened. So, good question. So let's let's hope that getting first energy uh, off of the stadium is is going to help the Browns. It might take a few energy. seasons, but yeah. well, and I have <laughs> maybe I, this I season. I refuse to watch uh, the uh, the injury from the Steelers game. I, uh, mm. Oh God, yeah. That, no, so. I'm not interested. Uh, I'm calf season just started. Um, well, preseason last night, yeah, so I kind of missed that game. It was close. Really good showing from some of the young players, good. but hopefully this season's a little less disappointing than last season. I mean, we made the playoffs and then got whooped by New York. So maybe this time we can make it and then whoop New York. But fingers crossed. Here's here's the hoping, right? Yeah. Here's the hoping, and here's to city council saving the Browns' season. Saving the Browns. <laughs> you heard you it. Guys you now. heard it here. You heard it here. Yeah. yeah. But I want to I want to thank you for talking with us today because we actually we, I was talking to Kim before you're the first person to come in person to All the right. Policy Wonk Studios. Yeah. In in the library of CSU. Shout out. I Shout out. Great third floor. We got some chairs stacked over here. There's there's a soundproof wall. This is the coldest it's, it's ever been in here. It's a fun oh, yeah. place. It's and, usually and a thousand I, I degrees. I want to thank you guys for uh, you know bringing me on because you know I. If, if there's one thing I can say about being on city council, it's that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's demystify city council. I'm just a really boring dude from West Park that takes his kids to see the Paw Patrol movie. Like it's, mm. it's I, I just I want to make the neighborhood a better place too. And uh, you know, then there's so many great ways to get involved, and it's so easy to get involved. So like, don't hesitate to reach out and figure out how to do it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank awesome. You Unless everyone has any anything else to say today. I think I think we covered it. Yeah. Great. All right. But we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening today. And hopefully the Brown season is saved after this conversation. <laughs>